0: The following message was recorded Sunday, February 4th, 2024. Pastor Rit continues his series in the book of Acts and covers chapter 9, verses 31 through 35. Acts now breaks from the Apostle Paul and shifts to the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter arrives in Lydda and meets Aeneas, a man who was bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. And now, here's Pastor Ritt. Well, we've been working our way through Acts and... Acts chapter 7, we saw that the persecution really began to get ramped up with the death of Stephen. And it said that in chapter 8, verse 1, Now Saul was consenting to his death at the time a great persecution arose in the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. And then devout man carried Stephen away. But then we saw what had taken place and how God had intervened and during this persecution, during this time in which there was such hatred and animosity towards this growing movement in accepting that Jesus Christ was the Messiah of Israel. One man in particular was chief among the persecutors there of the early church. And who was that? Saul. Saul. And listen, I, it cannot be overstated let me say it again it cannot be overstated the impact that the conversion the transformation of this one man had on the world to this very day i am so appreciative of the many ways in which his epistles his letters have ministered to my heart have helped grow me as a believer in jesus christ as the messiah of israel as the savior of the world And so we know that all things work together for good. And that's precisely what happened as we begin to looking at the conversion of Paul and all that had taken place. And then we looked at the chronology, how Paul had gotten letters from the high priest to go to Damascus to hunt down those who were scattered outside of Judea, Galilee, Samaria. But in the northern regions of the area there, they were in Damascus. And on his way to Damascus, God had another plan. You know, when do we say those two words? But God. And so Paul was apprehended on that Damascus road and everything changed with this one man being changed, being converted, being transformed by the amazing grace of God. And we know that uh, he left Jerusalem on his way to Damascus, but he didn't enter Damascus the way he thought he would. Just as we'll see later on as we move further into Acts, he knows he's called to go to Rome, but he's absolutely amazed at the way he's going to go there, (laughs) isn't he? Yeah, and so too as he enters into Damascus. But then the Lord falls upon him through the power of the Holy Spirit with the laying out of hands by a servant of the Lord, Ananias. And then he begins to preach in the synagogues there among the Hellenists that Jesus was the Messiah, the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies and the persecution began and he had to go to arabia for a time then he went to jerusalem for how long two Two week period 15 days actually it's recorded for us then he went back to damascus then he had to go back to jerusalem ended up in jerusalem for 14 well excuse me back to um cilicia the region of his hometown which was tarshish and he was there for how long 14 years before he will go back to jerusalem and when he goes back to jerusalem after 14 years then he's going to be received by them but they're still astonished and can't believe that this man is saved after 14 years amazing and so now what dr luke is going to do is end the narrative with regard to paul and he's going to pick up the ministry of peter Now we know that the book of Acts can be divided very simply because they're obeying the command of Jesus chapter 1 where he says you're going to be witnesses of me where? Judea. Judea, Samaria, Samaria. The ends of the earth. Right? And so that's how you can divide the book and the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. But Dr. Luke wants to record the ministry of two apostles in particular that being Saul and Peter. Now the first Around the first 12 chapters generally speak of the ministry of Peter. From chapters 13 on to the end of the book of Acts, did the book of Acts end? No, No, the Acts of the Apostles still going on today, right, in your life and in mine. But what's recorded for us from 13 to 28 is really involving the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul. But Paul is apprehended, and Paul leaves the scene for a time. We're going to pick up the ministry of Peter here. But at the end of chapter nine, going towards verse thirty-one, it says, "And then the church." Does it say church or churches? churches. What does it say? Ah, oh, that's incorrect. That's a poor translation, because in the Greek text, it's singular. How many churches are there, beloved? Are you sure? Yes. Yeah, you're positive about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You non-denominational Christians, when you get to heaven, you're going to pass a huge room, an auditorium that is filled with people. And Peter's going to say, shh, those are Baptists. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> Some people have that attitude, don't they? But there is only one church. This is in the singular. This is not in the plural. And it's the church of Jesus Christ. It is the body of Christ that we are a part of. Not an organization. We are not a part of an organization. We are part of a organism. An organism, the body of Christ. That's why we're one family, one body. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. And so, what happened as a result of Paul being apprehended by the Holy Spirit? And then the church throughout all, Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. What would that indicate? All of the area of Israel, right? What was in the southern portion of Israel? What region is that called? Judea. In the northern portion, what is that called? And what's sandwiched in between? Samaria. And so, and so as they were scattered because of the persecution that took place that we read in chapter 8 verse 1 the result was that the message of Christ and the gospel was going forth throughout all Israel and now it's entering into the region of the Gentiles right but he says here that, that now with Paul's apprehension the church throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had Did your Bible say peace or rest it says rest Okay, it should be interpreted peace. What's the word there? Irene. Irene. Irene, which means a peace. Peace with God, peace of God, peace. And that's what the church was experiencing. We're to look at five blessings that came as a result of these believers, true believers. Now, remember in chapter five what had taken place. They were so one as a family. As a body, a group of believers, an organism, that many of them sold all that they had. And what did they do with it? They donated, they brought it together so that everybody who was in need was taken care of. Now there was a couple people that came and pretended to be something they were not. They were so hypocritical. Who were they? Ananias and Sapphira. And what happened to them? Oh boy. Now, it's a good thing the Holy Spirit isn't doing that today because a lot of churches would be missing a lot of people because of the hypocrisy that goes on today. Right. But the Holy Spirit knows God knows, doesn't he? Yeah, of course he does, right? But we're seeing here now that as a result of chapter 5, what had taken place there, there was great fear that came upon the believers there because no one wanted to enter it among them unless they were very serious, very genuine about their surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. But as I was pointing out, they would surrender everything to him. Whose birthday is it today that we remember? Dietrich Bonheffer, Dietrich Bonheffer right? Dietrich Bonheffer. What's the most famous quote of Dietrich? The call to come to Christ is a call to die. And so he did, didn't he? You know, I don't think he had any idea how relative that was going to be in his life personally when he wrote that book, A Call to Discipleship, as a very young man, so devoted, so dedicated to the Lord. But he would write A Call to Christ as a call to come die. Is that true? Hmm. Way too much of too many people who claim his name alive and not dead to Christ, right? Not dead to themselves, their own desires, their own wants. But that's what brings true peace, that absolute surrender, Lord as Paul did on that road. Who are you, Lord, and what would you have me to do? I'm Jesus. No debate, no argument, no justification of what he was doing. Simply, yes, Lord, I'll obey. And immediately he obeyed, didn't he? That peace with God, that peace of God, that peace that is in God. Now that in peace only comes as you really are obeying the Lord in all that he desires you to do. And you can't do that without the aid, aid and enablement of the Holy Spirit, you see. As we were studying through Ephesians, gentlemen, and sat on Saturday mornings, we're learning that, that Paul is describing all of the power that we have as believers in Christ Jesus the empowerment that he wants to give us. And then he describes later on in the latter portions of chapter 3 the, the enablement of how we appropriate that power in our life for Christ-like living. Not to be hypocritical. No. But like Dietrich. To surrender all to him. All that I have. All that I ever will be. All that I ever will have. Or ever become. It's for you, is that true in your life? Is it then? Then you would experience these blessings that these have experienced because they sold everything and pooled all of their resources for the sake of the whole rest of the body. Every individual living for the well-being of the rest of the body—that's a healthy body, isn't it? And you know, we said before, what happens when one cell, one cell of the body begins to live for itself? And consume the other cells? It's all about what can it it can receive and what it can take rather than what what it can give. And what do we call that? Cancer. Cancer. And what do you do with that cancer? Yeah, but that won't happen until the end of the age. When the great physician comes, separates the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares. Because right now you can't tell the difference. In many, many, many cases. We we really can't tell the difference, can we? No. That's why we call it Christian. Yeah, as opposed to the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Amen? Yeah. So he's the first thing, and there's peace. And in every and all situations, God wants to give us peace. And these people were being hunted down, being persecuted. But, but now that persecution has ceased for a time, and there is peace. How many Christians are being persecuted today in the world? The estimate is over 300 million. The estimate is over 300 million believers are being persecuted today, right now, throughout the world. How much persecution do we suffer here? I may make you uncomfortable at times with a message. That's about the extent of it, right? (laughs) Oh, but it's coming. It's coming, and we need to be prepared and prayed up with his peace, knowing that all things work together for good, right? For those who love him are called according to his purposes. So first and foremost, he has that peace, that peace with God, that peace that is of God, that peace that is in God. And then they were edified. And what does that word mean? I'm sorry? Built up. It's an architectural term. Glenn, you're the architect, right? It's an architectural term and it means to be built up like a, like a Contractor, a construction uh, team building up a house, and we're to be the built up temple of God, the house of God. How are we being built up? How are we being strengthened? Because we have to, first of all, have that firm foundation. I left you with some homework yesterday, right, fellas? Whoever was there on Saturday morning, what was the homework? You had to look at two things. What did Paul mean when, it, when he said, What? Rooted and grounded. What did he mean when, you say, when he said you're rooted and grounded in Christ? Rooted, you're the tree of love. Producing the fruits of the Spirit, which is love. Grounded, though, that word grounded is foundation. A foundation, a temple, a house that's being built up. It's a house of love. A temple of love, right? The temple of the Holy Spirit, Right? Now, this is what he's talking about here, being built up, edified. Paul certainly has done that for us, hasn't he? Through the person of the Holy Spirit, inspiring Paul to write what he has written, and now how it strengthens our life, and we are being built up. As Peter would say, we are precious stones being fit together to become the temple of God, the people of God, the house of God, the body of Christ, edified. Question becomes Are you really edifying one another? And particularly in those areas of greatest influence. Are you building up one another? Or are you tearing down? Are you a win? Or wait? That's really the question, isn't it? Yeah, all oh, this early church. The church was never more glorious, never more one, never more all that Christ wanted him to be. It, it, it digressed from there, you know. You, you know that, don't you? Don't you? Yes. Yeah, you should. Quite evident by every uh, measurable factor. The church is not better off. It's far worse off when I talk about Chris and Dumb, But let me make no mistake. Let me make no mistake. The body of Christ. She's, she's beautiful. Beautiful. Determined. Purposed. Dedicated. Somebody prayed for Pastor David, the worship leader said he's been so dedicated? I have never how long have you been? You and I have been ministering together? 30 years. 30 years. Wow, you got old. <laughs> <laughs> In 30 years I have never once been concerned that he wasn't going to provide the ministry God has called him to. Not once have I been concerned about that. Now, that's a commendation of the Holy Spirit within you, how you have yielded yourself and allowed yourself to be built up to be all that God wants you to be, the tree of love, that house of love. huh? And I am so thankful for that. You know, we are so different from one another, really, in our personality types, et cetera, You know, And some of the things that we disagree on, but we disagree agreeably. But I am so thankful that God has chosen him to be a part of my life to help build me up as I watch his life. That's what we're supposed to be doing for one another, you see. And who has that primary responsibility? Men, ladies, who? The husband or the wife? Who? Wait a minute now. Some of you aren't even sure, are you? Who has a primary responsibility to be that one who is building up the house, the tree of love, that foundation? Is it her or is it him? All right. The problem we have today, men are not doing their job. I'm sorry. I'm going to make you uncomfortable, fellas. But it's your responsibility to be Christ in your home. It's not your wife's. Your wife is to respond to you. She is to follow your leading but she's not to be leading. If she's leading, it's because you're not. Do you understand? But it's a loving leadership. As Christ has led the church through his sacrifice by giving his life. Amen? They had peace. And they were being built up. It's so important that, you see, the man shall leave his father and mother, cleaves to his wife, and the two shall become one house now being built up and we build one another up you see? edify one another, encourage one another and it has to be Christ centered in all things. Now we've got to be careful because we get so allured by the world and worldliness and worldly thought and worldly desires that the house begins to erode because the foundation is not sure. We talked about divorce in the church today haven't we? It's a plague. It's a curse. Why? Because people aren't living in the peace that God offers. Godliness with contentment. Great gain. What did Jesus call that? The abundant life. The abundant life. Yeah. And then when you have that peace with God, then you are being built up. You build up one another. You build up everybody in your life. But it begins with your sacrifice for God. A call to Christ is a call to do what? And who's called to die? Me or her? And she helps kill me off every day. And I'm thankful. No, 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 I'm thankful for that. She's just called to submit. But I'm called to. Oh, but every one of us in our relationship with the Lord are called to die, aren't we? Aren't we? Die to ourselves. Die to our own desires. That's why this... This church, this body of Christ had such blessings in abundance among them. Peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And they multiplied. What does this walking imply? I'm sorry? That, that your lives are so connected that you're one. You're walking together. You're walking in harmony. You're walking in fellowship. You're walking in agreement. You have a specific journey, right? Where are you headed? Where are you going? Home, Home, right? I love to use the analogy of Enoch. Now, we don't know what Enoch's life was like until he had a child. And his name was? Methuselah. 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 And then he began to have a prayer life. Kids will do that for you, won't they? Yeah, Yeah, they'll give you a prayer life. But Enoch, it says, walks with God every day. And one day he was no more. Why? Now listen to me and listen closely. Like the early church, like Enoch of old, he walked in harmony with God's will. That section we covered yesterday morning, fellas. How did Paul begin that? He said, I what? I bow my what? I bow my knee before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what did that mean that he bowed his knee? In complete surrender, in submission, in adoration, in worship. Now listen, that's what what it means to walk in fellowship with the Lord. You're walking in harmony with his will. You don't want to step outside of his will to the left or to the right, and you certainly don't want to be paralyzed by your own desires and standing still, but you're walking with the Lord in the direction that he has for you. What's that direction? Up. 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 He's raising you up. He's building you up. And he has a purpose for every one of us. As I shared last week, all of us need to be empowered, right? That epi, empowerment, for the work of the ministry. Who's in the ministry here? All All of you. All of you are in the ministry, aren't we? Peace, edification, and in my walk. Now, as as you have that peace and you enter into the peace with the Lord, you know that, that all things do work in, for good, and therefore I can be, can be content in every situation that comes about. And I'm going to be matured and built up, and particularly in those struggles and those sufferings that we experience. And I'm just going to continue to walk with God. Now, how many people have you seen who have, and far too many that I can think of right now, that are going in through my mind, that entered into a difficult time, and God didn't meet their expectation, what they thought he should do, and what did they do? They got off the path. Way off the path. They weren't walking with God to begin with. They wanted God to walk with them. No, 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 no. There's a difference between the way Gail walks Snickers and I walk Snickers, you know. When she walks Snickers, he goes wherever he wants. She's walking with Snickers. He's not walking with her. Yeah, he has fun with me. When Snickers walks with me, and Sunday mornings I walk Snickers, and he walks with me. I don't walk with him, right? I said, "Listen, you got to get this right, buddy. I'm the master. You're the dog." You follow me. I don't follow you. Hmm? So important. <laughs> You're his friend. I'm his master. There's a difference. Oh, I know, I know. But you see, he, he fears me. He doesn't fear you. What, what does it say here? No, way. what does it, what is it, what's missing today? It says, in Galilee, Samaria, Judea, they had peace, edified, walking in what? There's no fear of the Lord today. I'm thinking next week I'm going to send you a a message that's going to make a lot of you very uncomfortable. And I need the approval of my board before I do it. I'm going to talk to them after service. But there's just something heavy on my heart that I need to talk to you about. You're my family. I love you. I I don't want to leave here without you. My, My responsibility is to do everything I can to encourage you to come with me. Is that not true? Now, what you do with it is up to you. But I'm praying about it. And it's hard to say those hard things, isn't it? It is. It's hard to say those hard things. Some of the hardest things I've ever had to say were to who? My son. And sometimes, you know, I have these young men that come into my life and and I'll treat them like a son. And and therefore, I'll say some very hard things, very honest things, very truthful things to them, and sometimes they can receive it and most times, they can't. They can't. But that's not my responsibility. The reaction of the individual is not my responsibility. My responsibility is to declare the truth. And where you need to be built up, where you need to be edified, I have a responsibility to share that with you, to encourage you. Is that all right? Mm -hmm. Yes. The church throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace, edified, walking, walking in the fear of the Lord. What does that mean, walking in the fear of the Lord? Now, do you think that that Snickers is afraid I'm going to beat him? No, no. When, When Snickers is concerned, when Snickers is a little nervous, when he's apprehensive, when he's anxious, who's he looking for, her or him? He's looking for me. All the, when I'm out of the house, the dog is unsettled. Master's not here. My alpha, my security, my everything. Now, that, that's how, if you're raising your dog correctly, that's how he should see you. If you're raising your little ones correctly, that's how he should see daddy. Now, when daddy's home, ah, oh, safe. That's what it means to be walking with the Lord in the fear of the Lord. knowing. Listen, I'm I'm in harmony with Father, and Father is watching over me, and I got nothing to worry about as far as the enemy goes. Right? I I have never worried about the devil. I have never worried about demons. They're not a concern for me, ever. Why? I'm so close to the Lord. And, and, And all that's necessary. How many times have I said this shoulder is where? right against his thigh. And this shoulder, right against his staff. And when the enemy comes, whether it's a wolf, whether it's a lion, no matter how he might manifest himself, I just say, get him. Get him. (laughs) I've never, ever, ever been concerned about what the enemy, she can tell you this. Oh, it's the enemy. Oh, it's the devil. Oh, it's this. He's nothing. When we get to heaven and we see him for who he really is, what are we going to say? Right. You? You caused all this problem? Barney Fife? <laughs> yeah. But do you, listen, it's so important. Listen, now now, many of, many of you I know, you're, you're, just, you're not walking in the fear of the Lord. Now, the only reason why my dog or my son when he was growing up should ever fear me is when? He when he's disobeying me. That's all in disobedience now if they're being blatantly disobedient and rebellious there is no fear is that not true you listening to me now a lot of you ain't connecting with me right now you just tuned me out the reason why you have no fear of the lord is because you're in rebellion to the lord not obeying the lord in what you should Now, i'm not talking to everybody i don't even know who i'm talking to here or there over the internet but i'm talking to somebody How do you measure your fear of the Lord? How do you measure whether you're in fear of the Lord or not? By your obedience. And the more you're in obedience, the more he can trust you. You know. Whether you're training your children or your pet, the more they're obedient, the more freedom you can give them to exercise. The more disobedient and rebellious they come, the more restrictive you have to be in everything that they do. Is that not true? Yeah. Hmm. Peace, edifying, in the fear of the Lord, walking with God. And therefore, what does it bring as a result? Parakalitis, what is it? Comfort. Comfort. You know, it's so comforting to know. I've never—I am so blessed. I've never, ever, ever, ever had to be concerned about any attitude or action or behavior on your part in 15 years of marriage. I do. I praise God for that. I know I'm hard to live with. It ain't easy. But I look—they <laughs> <laughs> they didn't hear you, so don't repeat it. <laughs> I said, don't repeat it. (laughs) There there is, listen, there is such comfort when you live in a relationship of trust. And that's what we're talking about. Why, Why do people not fear the Lord? Why do people not trust the Lord? Because they don't know him. They don't know his faithfulness. They don't know that he has far more good in mind for you than you have for yourself. Is that true? Absolutely true, but you don't believe that. I know you don't believe that. And I can prove it, many of you. It hurts my heart to say that to you. It does. I'm not, this is not a feel-good message. This is not a feel-good church. But I can't leave here without addressing concerns that the Holy Spirit has so that you become everything he wants you to be so that you can have that peace. You can be built up, edified by the Holy Spirit and one another. And you can have that walk with the Lord that is in such harmony with his will for your life. And therefore, there's that comfort that comes and assurance that comes that come what may. Everything is good. Me and Jesus, were good. How many times, and and some of you know, because I've said it to many of you here, when you've had a very difficult time, a very grievous trial that you're going through, whether it's physical, relational, spiritual, financial, and and what I've said to you time and time and time again, you draw as close to Jesus as you possibly can, and you've got nothing to be concerned about. Is that true? It is. It's absolutely true. Why so few want to experience that in the time of trouble? Why? I don't know. But not this church. Not this church, the true church, the body of Christ. In that time of trouble, excruciating trouble, they drew closer to him than they had ever been, and oh, wow, what a difference in their lives. And the power that that church had. When we're walking... In fellowship with Father, and His will is executed for our life, it's perfect. And the blessings that He showers down upon us now, what are those blessings? They're spiritual and they're relational. The greatest need we have is to make sure the relationship that we have with Jesus is all that it's supposed to be it's genuine, it's authentic, and it's honest. And therefore, all those other relationships of our life will become everything that He wants them to be. I guarantee this, folks. You're having trouble in your relationships? It starts there. That's why you're having trouble. Okay? Because it all begins here. Are you being honest? A call to come to Jesus is a call to do what? Oh, no. Some of you say, I didn't, you know, I didn't, not verbally. But our actions say, well, you know, I didn't sign up for that. I mean, I thought I was going to have a good time. Financially prosperous, healthy, you know, give up the ghost when I'm ready. I mean, I was just going to have blessings galore. Is that what he promises us? All who would live godly in Christ Jesus will. You're going to suffer persecution. You're going to suffer troubles. You're going to suffer trials. For in this world you will have. If you're really representing me, if you're really surrendered to me. I think next week we might be meeting in my living room, David. We won't need the building or the parking lot. Yes, the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and they were multiplied. This is another progress report. The first progress report was chapter two. Look at chapter two, verse forty-seven as dr luke is recording for us in verse 47 he says after the coming of the holy spirit and day of pentecost had been fulfilled they were praising god and having favor with all of the people the people who embraced god and the lord added to the church daily such as being saved look at chapter six verse seven chapter six after that experience in chapter five you know what happened the the true church they just wanted to give everything to god and make sure their brothers were all taking care of anybody in need we had some hypocrisy that had to be dealt with right away some of you are thankful it doesn't happen now. The only difference between then and now is what? Timing. 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 Listen, that's the only difference. The only, listen, the only reason why Ananias and Sapphira don't get their due today, it's just a matter of timing. God is patient, long-suffering. Okay? <laughs> you can laugh. Because I know, <laughs> because you have that pericolitis. Okay? And those who have the paracletos can, can laugh and it just find this, this is humorous, you know. I don't know what got him on fire this morning, but boy, you know, maybe less coffee next week. <laughs> <laughs> Where did I say to go? Chapter 6, verse 7. After what had taken place in chapter 5, right? And, and then they selected those, those seven. What, a, what, what wisdom from God, epinosis, because of that dispute that occurred in the church. And then they settled the dispute. But in verse 7 it says, Then the word of the Lord spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great number of the priests, the priests, which sects of the priests, Sadducees, Pharisees? Which sects of the priests, Sadducees or Pharisees? The Pharisees. Great of the Pharise- Why the Pharisees, not the Sadducees? I'm sorry, what you say? Because they believe in the Bible. They believe the word of God. Do you believe the word of God? Yeah. The progressives don't believe the word of God. They interpret it for themselves. They make up things. Right? But those of us who truly love the Lord, we believe every word of God. Why? Because it's all true. Is it true because it's in the Bible? No. 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 Why is it true? It's in the Bible because it is true. Right? Absolutely. Verse 7. Go to 931 is where we looked. We saw the progress report there in 931. And, and Dr. Luke is always giving us these progress reports. Go to chapter 12, verse 24. <clears throat> is it 12, 20? Yeah, 12. I'm, I'm in 24. Got to go to chapter 12, not chapter 24. Verse 24 says, right. Herod, violent death, Peter miraculously released from prison. And what does it say in verse 24 of chapter 12? But the word of God grew and multiplied. What do we have a famine of today? The hearing of the word of the Lord. Go to chapter 16. Chapter 16. Look there for a minute. Paul and Silas went to jail. Had no money for the bail. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. You know where I learned that song? Surrounding abortion clinics in upstate New York. And risking arrest. We surrender our identification. Nobody knew who we were. They ask you your name. You're Jane Doe, John Doe. But we would sing these songs. Oh, Daniel got thrown in the lion's den, but his knee he wouldn't bend. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Right? Mm. Anyway, so the progress would take place because they wouldn't bow. They wouldn't bend. In verse 5, chapter 16, so the church and it's church, not churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Chapter 19. You remember the sons of Sipha? What happened to them? Yes. Siva? The Jewish exorcist? They were, they were playing around with demons. You don't want to play with demons, right? Mm-mm. you pay the price eventually. Oh, they'll, they'll allow you to get away with quite a bit before they eventually turn on you. Who was that man, that strong man? What was his name? Samson? And who was it that turned on him? The, the daughter of divination. The demon daughter. She only had one desire. The demons only had one desire, to destroy that strong man. Well, he flirted. When he played with that fire, he thought he could control that fire. Oh, no, you can't take fire in your bosom without being burned. What happened to the sons of Sceva, the high priest? The demons beat them senseless, stripped them naked, sent them running for their lives, right? But look what happened to the church, singular, look. And so the word of this is verse 20 of chapter 19 so the word of the lord grew mightily and prevailed how did the word grow mightily Hmm? the defeat of the enemy right go to the end of the book was that chapter 28 these are just progress reports over various periods of time that luke continues to give to show the increase in spite of the opposition in spite of all the trouble Chapter 28, verse 30. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house. That's a nice thing. Airbnb, huh? Is that where he was? Where was Paul? He was incarcerated. He was in prison. But the word of God wasn't in prison, right? Paul was in chains, but the word of God wasn't chained. Look what it says there. And then Paul... Well, two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him preaching the kingdom of god and teaching the things which concern the lord jesus christ with all confidence no one forbidding him wow what kingdom was he preaching five different kingdom facets right to the kingdom of god program we taught i taught you that what was the what's the one he's talking about there where he was preaching the kingdom of god the spiritual kingdom. The mystery kingdom exists, but he's preaching the spiritual kingdom, which all true believers comprise. Now, eventually, what, where, what are we waiting for? Which kingdom is that? The messianic. the messianic millennial kingdom. Yeah. Back to Acts chapter 9. Now, as a result, what's going to take place is going to see a couple of miracles that Peter's going to perform. And what is the purpose of the miracles? The miracles save people? No. 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 what saves the The word of truth the gospel the holy spirit through the word of god saves now miracles will validate or affirm the message that the messenger is giving now in the early church there were many miracles done and we looked at this previously when we began our study through the book of acts that that the, the the apostles of the lord did many signs and wonders among the people for the purpose of validating the Word of God. Jesus himself did the same thing, many signs, miracles to validate the truth claims that he was making. And he told his own, he said, Now when I leave, you're gonna be able to be empowered by the same Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to perform signs and wonders to validate the truth claims you're going to make to the world. But Paul would write to us later and tell us, in the end times, in the latter days, at the end of the age, signs and wonders will be done for what purpose? deception we are in an age of deception more than any other more than any other and beloved listen these miracles these so-called miracles and supernatural phenomenon that is taking place it's child's play in the spiritual realm satan is nothing in comparison to god he's a lesser of the archangels But to you and I, we're just absolutely amazed when when something supernatural occurs that we can't explain with our rational mind, defies pragmatism. Don't be deceived. We've been warned, we've been forewarned that the enemy will bring about great signs and wonders at the end of time to deceive even, even the elect, if it were possible. It's not possible, but even if it were, if it were, they would be deceived by these signs and wonders. Not you, beloved. But these miracles, these signs and wonders were done to validate the truth claims that the early church is bringing about. This understanding. So, this first one. Now, it came to pass as Peter went through all the parts of the country. Now, Peter, uh, he had gone through many areas there around Israel and then the surrounding area teaching the word. If you go to 825 for a minute, uh, it tells us and so they, they, the they are John and Peter, okay? And so they had testified and preached the word of the Lord and returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many of the villages of the Samaritan. Samaritan. Yeah. So this is how it was growing. And God was destroying something in Peter. What was he destroying in Peter? His His what? His bias. His prejudice. He was very discriminatory. If you weren't a full Jew he thought you were a much lesser person, right? But God's going to deal with that. We'll see that a little later on. And now it came to pass as Peter went through the parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelt at? It's pronounced Lida, L I D. It's spelled L Y D, but it's pronounced L I D, Lida. Uh, and I know you can say Lida, but it's Lida. Uh, there he found a certain name named, a certain man named? Aeneas. Aeneas. Anybody know what Aeneas means? I'm sorry? Praise. Praise. Man of praise. Praise, or man of praise. Aeneas, this man is going to become a man of praise. He isn't right now, but he's going to be, right? Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. I cannot even imagine how difficult it would be to be bedridden for eight years. Although I have to tell you, uh, I, I, I like to silent. I like to suffer silently. So when I'm sick, I tell my wife, go do something you want to do. Go enjoy yourself. Go out with one of your girlfriends and just leave me alone. And I go down into the dungeon and I lock myself in and I just have a glorious time in my sickness. With who? With the Lord. Some of my best times have been when I've been bedridden with the Lord. I'm I'm being serious. Now, I can't imagine though, eight years of it. I, I get pretty tired of it. Anybody have an affliction where you've been in bed for a long period of time? Anybody? Two weeks? Long Two weeks? How long for you, Terry? Um, almost, a year. almost a year. Oh, goodness. Yeah. That's. Can you imagine eight years being bedridden, paralyzed, not being able to go anywhere, see anybody, all your dreams, all your hopes, all your plans, gone. Hmm. Hey, what's the number eight mean? Wow, isn't that something, huh? God waited for eight years. Eight is the number of new beginnings in the scriptures. Did you know that? There's going to be a new beginning for this Aeneas, this man of praise, right? He's going to be praising God because God's going to give him a new beginning. Hey, how about you? Now, listen, I'm not trying to condemn you or convict you. I'm trying to touch your heart. I don't want to step on your toes. But you're bedridden. Now, I'm not talking about physically, am I? What am I talking about? Spiritually. You oh, you come to church on Sunday, you know, when, when it's convenient. But what are do you doing with the rest of your life? Are you paralyzed spiritually? You're just so caught up in the world, so caught up with the cares of this world, the a of riches that it's choking out your spiritual life? That you're bedridden? Now listen, you, you have... I'm your friend, and I'm your pastor, and I'm your brother. And I'm asking you to consider these things. It's important because we're running out of time. Do you believe that? I believe that with all my heart. So what are you doing with your life? Have you really given it to him? A call to come to Jesus is what? A call to die. A call to die. I have a lot of things I'd like to do in life for myself then i'm not doing them and i won't do them i can't do them i have to obey him i have to do what he wills right do you have those things in your life that you know are true things that you desire to do but god says you know it's not for you right now and it may be for other people and it may be never for you i have something else in mind for you would you serve me I would hate for any one of you to have to experience coming before the Lord. And he say, you didn't live my life. You lived yours. This isn't your home. That is. And many will say to him in that day, but Lord, didn't we? It was all for you. It wasn't for me. You, you never, Yadah, me. Remember Psalm 76 last week, if you were here last week? Those who, Yadah, the Lord, have all that protection, that provision, that guidance, that blessing. Walking in that, that peace, that fellowship, that edification, that harmony, that comfort. Wow. Aeneas, bedridden eight years and was paralyzed and Peter said to him Aeneas Jesus the Christ heals you arise make your bed and then he arose immediately and made his bed <laughs> hey what about your children do they make their bed in the morning I remember asking that question one time I said you know, you know who makes the bed you make your bed in the morning oh no we don't even get no we don't even talk about no forget that hey the first thing you should do in the morning how many of you have served in the service Military, military. Now they had, you had to make sure every morning that you made your, your bunk, right, and it had to be made just so, right. Part of discipline. What a wonderful thing! When the first thing you do is you get up in the morning, you make your bed. At least you did something, right? <laughs> but he's not talking about making his bed, is he? No, 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 no. What did he say to Aeneas? Aeneas, you've been paralyzed. Today is the day of new beginnings. Now, it's in the aorist tense. It's an ongoing act. Jesus, the Christ, is healing you. Not you've been healed. Not you're going to be healed. He's healing you now. Can you amen to that? Jesus is healing me. He's had healed me. He is healing me. He's going to heal me of so many things. About my love of self. Hmm? And yes, Jesus is healing you. Arise, make your bed. And then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon, Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now, where is Lydda? Do you know? If you go to Jerusalem... Okay? And you go a little bit to the north, but more to the west, about 35 miles, there's Lydda. If you can continue about 10 to 12 miles all the way to the coast, you come to Jaffa, which in Jesus' day was Jaffa. Jaffa. Jaffa today, Jaffa then. That's where we're going next. Peter goes from Lydda to Jaffa. Okay. Um, anybody ever go to Israel? Where'd you fly into? Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv what's the airport? Ben Gurion. Yeah. Just outside the city of Lod, Lod, ancient city, Lod, which, which in Jesus' day was Lida. Lida, same city. Just for your information, it's free. All who dwelt in Leda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Hmm. Is that what happened to you? So what happened to me. He came into my life and I was paralyzed by all of my behaviors, self-love, concerns, preoccupation with world and my own desires. And then he took me out of that paralysis. And he said, Now take responsibility. Get up and walk with me now. Get out of your paralysis. Serve me. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And what an impact it had. Now, now, uh, Peter has done some miracles previously. What are some of the miracles uh, Peter has performed? He what? Rise up and walk. He healed the man at the gate called Beautiful, the Corinthian gate. Before then. Walked on the water. How many, how many people you know walk on water? I've walked on water. Upstate New York when it freezes over. <laughs> but he walked on water when it was still liquid, right? Yeah. What other miracles did he perform? Peter. Okay, he went out, well, I guess, I guess you could call that a miracle. Poppy? Yeah, it was a miracle. It's a miracle when we ever go out and serve and bear witnesses. Yeah. But uh, Peter did many miracles. He he's, he's, uh, spoke in tongues on the day of Pentecost, didn't he? Tongues of fire on him. He healed the lame man, chapter 3. that Peter, uh, David was talking about just his shadow, they would, they, would, they would put those who were sick in the shadow of Peter, and they were healed. And chapter 5 tells us they brought many of the people of the surrounding area, and they healed them all, Peter and John. Who healed them? Jesus healed them. Who healed Aeneas? Jesus heals you, Aeneas. Now, you got to be careful with all these hucksters and these false apostles and prophets who claim that they have a healing ministry. They're the ones who heal, not Jesus. Who heals? Jesus Jesus alone. Jesus alone. Make no mistake about that. If you pray and miraculously somebody gets healed, don't take that credit. Mm -mm -mm -mm. No. Be careful when men glorify themselves and not the Lord. So wonderful how Peter's saying, Jesus is healing you, Aeneas. And Jesus is healing you and I. Next week we'll go to Joppa. I, I uh, embellished a little too long. Next week, we'll look at the miracle of the healing of Dorcas or Tabitha. What's Dorcas or Tabitha mean? Gazelle. What's a gazelle? Beautiful, gracious animal, isn't it? Yeah. And that was her name, Dorcas or Tabitha. Now, she was already serving the Lord in serving her sisters. It's wonderful. This is the only fashion show in the Bible that you see. Yeah, there was a fashion show for Peter. <laughs> As they walked down, what do they call that? I don't know. Runway? Is that what they call it? Runway? Yeah. yeah. Be- beloved, listen to me. You're, 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 listen to me. You're going to hear me say hard things to you for one reason. Because I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't say it. I'd just worry about more nickels and noses. You know, I don't care about the nickels and noses. I care about those of you who I know personally are coming with me. And we're going with Jesus. And he walked with God, and he was no mo, Because he walked in harmony. He walked in the will of God. Whatever it was you want, Lord, I surrender. A call to Jesus is a call to... Is it true? It is absolutely true. Shall we stand, David? Thank you for listening to this message from Community Chapel of Greenville. For more information and to find more messages like this, please visit to www.ccgreenville.org. It is our desire to see our Lord high and lifted up, and to see his people grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.